Welcome to Jesus in America. I'm Eric Fish. I'm passionate about Jesus and I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about learning. I believe we are at the precipice of a historic reformation of the Western Church, no less significant than the Protestant Reformation of 500 years ago. Join me each week as we explore stories, conduct interviews, and investigate principles among those who are pioneering Jesus-centered life outside the boundaries of conventional Christianity. was don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive yeah. and go do that because yeah. what the world needs is people who come alive yeah. right? and and I wonder what that means to you. you you talk a lot about empowering people to be creative to be fully themselves and different expressions of church can you talk a little bit about like what your heart is for that and how how those things connect yeah. Okay. So, wow, that's a big question. Um, you know, when I was, uh, when I was, Jen and I first started having children, they inevitably have the crayon on the wall moment of, you know, the beautiful two-year-old mural scribbling all over the wall and they kind of got, you know, they kind of got in trouble. But, you know, looking back, I wish I would have done it differently. I wish we would have designated a wall that's yours to create on, you know. And I see that God is a God who has given a world to people to create in. And, you know, creativity is the first or one of the first uh, characteristics of God that were, that were shown of what he's like. In the beginning, God created. And um, when we create we tap into something that is divine, a divine ability that reflects the nature of God. Now as humans, we have the potential to create for evil or to create for good, to create for harm or to create for benefit. But either way, we have creative power within us. When it comes to the, the manifestation or the expression of church, Artists have oftentimes been sidelined into having very little expression within the church because so much is already predetermined. And, you know, some of the most innovative churches are doing like, okay, we have artists, you know, painting murals or painting pictures, canvases during worship on the side, and that's cool. But what would it look like if there was no church service and there were a group of artists, let's say you got 20 artists, creatives, in a room, all saying we want to pursue Jesus and we want to create venues where we worship, where we encounter God personally, where the Holy Spirit's moving in our midst, but we're also able to create. And um, I wonder what that would look like because I've seen firsthand in next generation movements of the church, one of the essential characteristics is not just telling them everything prescripted about how church needs to look, but instill the basic essentials of this is what being a follower of Jesus means and get committed to that. And then you have permission to go create expressions of church out of your personality, out of your giftings and experiment. Because the next generation having permission to create or have been the key 
has been a key factor of new churches getting off the ground that are actually fruitful, healthy, full of love, and making disciples. Um, you started with a quote that I've used many times, don't ask what the world needs, ask yourself what makes you come alive and then go do that because the world needs people who have fully come alive. I forget who said the quote, but in terms of disciple making movements and next generation movements of the church, we need people who are wholehearted followers of Jesus who are passionate about creating in their art, in their business, their entrepreneurship, their, you know, their vocation, their calling, whatever, not just creating in traditional avenues of church because the, the world needs people who fully come alive. And I see that Jesus said, I came to give them life and life more abundantly. When I look at my children, I don't find out their deep passions and desires and then tell them, all right, I want you to kill that. I want you to lay that down for me because I'm your dad. No, as a dad, I find out what is the passion and the dream and the design of each of my children. And then I, we, my wife and I, we try to find ways to nurture it and express it. And the next generation of Jesus followers coming up need to know that you have full permission to find out what makes you come alive, what makes you passionate, and then journey into that passion with Jesus. God loves it when his kids discover their passions and go for it. So how have you seen people respond to that message when you share it, when you create a space for it? Yeah. And what are some of the expressions maybe that you've seen, yeah. the stories that have come out of people yeah. gravitating towards this? People respond one of two ways, Carl, to that message of permission given and freedom. Um, one, they say, I have been waiting for this my entire life. I hear that so many times with young people. Um, the second response I get is fear. Um, fear of what will happen if we truly give permission to the next generation uh, uh, Jesus followers to lead and create and um, reconceive what do models of church look like for their generation. Um, many times there's a response of fear of, wait, what if we lose what we have? What if they make mistakes? And, and I say, look, the process of growing from generation to generation, family to family, is always about empowering the next generation with a set of values, but they're going to start their own families, and every family is going to look different. The challenge mm -hmm. in the Jesus way of life from generation to generation is not to protect one form or one tradition, but pull out the values the true values of a life of knowing Jesus and following Him, planting that in the next generation, and then cheering them on as they're creating their own families. Not separating from relationship, but the relationship changes when the next generation starts to create. Too many leaders I know, and for too long I, li I lived with this mindset, that if people went out and started new things outside my church, that that would be a threat to me. And my mindset just totally shifted around 2007 of realizing the mission of God in the world is to multiply families. That only happens as people grow to become healthy and go out and reproduce spiritually, I'm speaking. And um, so people respond with joy and freedom or they respond with fear. And, you know, we've seen an, I've seen a number of people do amazing things from, 
you know, just getting on a plane and moving to Southeast Asia um, to, you know, team up with people who have legitimate long-term transformational plans for rescuing um, children from sex slavery to, you know, friends moving to the urban core of Detroit, you know, our friends who were, you know, that was the, their dream to move to an urban center, start discipling teens and single moms, creating sustainable living and gardening and, you know, civic, uh, you know, redevelopment, urban planning. And they are bringing joy and freedom in a community that now is their community. They're not like outside Christians coming in to save the day. They're planted in the community, starting after school programs, loving the city, being loved by the city, and growing families that are following Jesus, spiritual families or churches um, in Detroit, that it's miraculous. Miracles, and I love seeing the next generation take the baton of going, I need to change the world for Jesus, and I'm going to do it in a practical way that is matched with my passion. Yeah, I guess maybe what was it like for you to come to that realization that that was God's heart for you? Yeah. And how did that begin to manifest? Man, you know, I think for me, it really started with a change in my how I interacted with God in understanding that He truly is a good Father. He's a good Dad. The primary picture that Je Jesus gave to communicate, communicate, that's funny, sometimes we communicate rather than communicate. <laughs> um, um, communicating truth without love is communicating. <laughs> um, the primary picture that Jesus gave of what God was like was that he was Father. Pray then in this way, our Father. In fact, in the book of John, it says they crucified Jesus because God, or Jesus called God his Father. And um, for me, understanding that God the Father is way more into freedom than he is into control was massively a game changer in life for me. That God has boundaries, God has rules, absolutely. In my, you know, in our home, as we raise our kids, we have rules. But the thing is, I don't relate to my children on the basis of those rules. I relate to my children on the basis of love and identity. And no matter how many rules they break, I'm their dad, they're my kid, and I love them. The rules are just protective boundaries. Don't stick that fork in that socket. Don't run across the street without looking both ways or holding an adult's hand. Those rules are set to protect our kids. God is the same way. He sets boundaries for us, but within those huge boundaries is e enormous freedom to be creative, to express ourselves, and oftentimes church culture has been more about conformity and control than it has been about creativity and freedom. In the very beginning when God created, He made this whole earth to grow, to multiply. He put people in this paradise and He said, tend the garden, you know, have sex, reproduce, name the animals, fill the whole earth. Huge freedom. And he didn't tell them exactly what to do, exactly how to do it. He had one rule. Don't touch that tree. 
don't eat from that tree of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. So in the very beginning, we see God is way more into freedom than he is into control. So for me, for a long time, I thought, I thought my life with God was a scripted thing of like, do exactly, just obey, 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 everything, every little thing. Where do you want me to go today, God? Don't do anything until God gives you permission. But things were flipped upside down when I realized God, I felt God was speaking in my heart, Eric, you have permission. I love you. You know me. Do anything. Uh, you can go anywhere. You can do anything. And I will bless you. And it wasn't like go anywhere, do anything, like go do, you know, like something, you know, horribly wrong or something. But I experienced God, the permission giving God, the Father says, you've matured to a place, go for it, I'm with you. You know, that was key for me. I mean, so I know you mentioned it, but I don't know if there are any specific things that you want to say to your two different kind of audiences of like the young person that's like, Go and then yeah. like the leader who's like, yeah. you said the permission giving thing. Yeah, you have the leader. Yeah. Well, I I love speaking to pastors because I've been a pastor and I have dear friends and mentors who are pastors and have been pastors, and I, I love uh, walking with pastors and helping them to transition their thinking, that I can move from being the father of a house to a father of a multitude. And um, moving into, even from becoming a a father to a grandfather of a whole movement, a multi-generational movement of sons and daughters in the Lord who honor you and have a relationship with you, but are now starting their own families. And the next generation is crying out for spiritual mothers and fathers, for mentors who will mentor in a way that respects the relationship but is not necessarily a positional authority. There's really two kinds of authority I see in the body of Christ. One is a positional authority and one is a relational authority. Much of Christendom centers around positional authority. Um, I have a title, I am a pastor, I am employed here, so I have authority for you. Relational authority does not need a position. It's by virtue of relationship and invested time that someone looks to you as a guiding model or influencer in your life, but the authority is, um, is connected by relationship. We can create networks of relational authority in disciple making that gives people permission to go out and create and start ministries, but yet has the fabric in place for when people get out of line or when they make mistakes or when they stumble or struggle, that there's you know, room for correction and for guidance. That's what I see in the New Testament. Paul uh, discipled Timothy. Timothy was charged by Paul to commit these things to faithful men who will teach others also. Four generations of discipleship happening there. We have Paul starting groups in Thessalonica and um, in the, the city of the Colossians and Ephesus and Galatia and Macedonia and then starting these communities, making disciples, staying in relationship with them, understanding he had authority um, but going out and, and when they got off track, correcting them. So oftentimes with, with pastors, I love to help them think about 
your realm of authority is not just your church, but you can start to equip your people to go out and start new things. And by doing that, you can expand your influence by, mul by multiples, just with a subtle mind shift from keeping people under positional authority, moving into a relational authority, and equipping them and sending them out to start their own ministries. You've been listening to Eric Fish's podcast, Jesus in America, produced by Carl Cathedral, with music by Cloudkicker. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for the next episode.